0: Welcome to Empathy Media, the podcast exploring empathy in action. Nuri Vitachi is a well-known journalist and a prolific author. He's currently working on a novel that explores the strange world of quantum physics and how it shapes our deepest beliefs. I caught up with Nuri recently when he was over from Hong Kong, where he works. So Nuri, at the moment you're working on this really intriguing book, A New Map of Time right what's it
1: about so a new map of time is um it's about it's about the nature of time and the fact that uh, if we follow through einstein's understanding of time time is actually a place rather than a process and that leads us to interesting ideas because if time is a place you know places have borders places have insides and places have outsides so once you've taken that one step then uh, all of a sudden, time becomes very interesting. Uh, if it's a place, if it's borders, if it has an inside and outside, that implies travel, isn't it?
0: So how are you told this story? Because it's a novel, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I decided, um, you know, it's, um, people these days aren't going to read a, a long book about physics and the nature of time, uh, or very few people will. Uh, I might, but not, <laughs> not, not nobody else. So that's um, so I wrote a novel about three strangers who meet in a coffee shop and uh, are assigned to do a task by a rather eccentric proprietor. And she basically says, um, this is your job. I want you to build a universe. And they think she's joking. But one of the three strangers is actually a a physics student, a cosmologist. And she says, well, actually, you know, you can build a universe. All you need to do is to make a singularity and and, uh, do something called cosmic inflation. And that's how universes are made. And, and the proprietor says, right, do it. And then they make a universe.
0: What's the singularity? <laughs> right.
1: So um, uh, a singularity is the first moment or the last moment of a chunk of reality, uh, if you like. So, um, uh, so the universe begins with a singularity and, uh, and will end with one. Uh, but remember we're talking about time so time is a place rather than a process um, so the end uh, is created at the same time as the beginning so um, when you think about these things there's lots of intriguing uh, uh, avenues of thought there.
0: Where do you get all this all this from? Yeah. Is this uh, sounds a bit way out as science goes? <laughs> right.
1: it's, uh, it sounds way out but um, uh, I, I teach a, a science and faith course at uh, at a university, and um, I I, I like to, because my background is a reporter, so I always go back to source materials. And, um, you know, quantum physics, there's a thousand books on the shelf trying to explain it. But if you go back to the source material, um, uh, Wolfgang Pauli, uh, Erwin Schrodinger, uh, uh, Werner Heisenberg, you go back to their writings, um, it's fascinating. They were so spiritual. Uh, Schrodinger um, uh, described quantum physics as, uh, he said, this will be called mysticism. Um, uh, Pauli said that you needed two understandings of the world. You needed a scientific one and you needed a a religious one. Um, So I was fascinated by this interplay between uh, science and religion I found in the writings of these great scientists. Um, sadly, these, this angle has been kind of forgotten. Everybody assumes that the uh, great scientists are, you know, like Richard Dawkins, very sort of dry and anti mystical. But in fact, quite the opposite is true.
0: So let's start with this quark then. So, what is a quark, first of all? Because this <laughs> seems to be where the mystery starts, as opposed to the kind of science, the knockabout science we've got around us. Mm. And even the atoms seem sort of fairly. Um, understandable maybe, right, right. straightforward, but then arrives the quark.
1: Yes, so um, uh, we, we know that uh, everything that exists is made of, uh, of atoms and atoms are made of, of small items which we can call subatomic particles uh, such as the, the quarks. But um, what's intriguing is what they are made of and Heisenberg put it very neatly, they're made of ideas. Um, if the subatomic particles are made of ideas, then particles are made of ideas. And since everything is made of particles, everything is made of ideas. Now, isn't that an astonishing thought? And it's this thought that takes us away from the physical understanding of reality uh, towards a more mystical, spiritual one. So you can see why they had all these discussions about, about mysticism while they were uncovering the secrets of quantum physics.
0: So tell me some of the weird things about a quark, what it can do that an ordinary a particle can't.
1: Yeah, um, the, 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 the heart of the, the, the challenge, the intrigue of the, of the subatomic particle, the quarks and the electrons and the, those in that category, uh, is that they, they don't exist until they are measured, detected, perceived. Uh, So they exist only as probabilities. They're not in a particular place and they're not in a particular time. They're just a a fuzzy ball of maybes. Uh, In the book I call them maybe-laters because if no one detects them, they never come to exist at all. Um, So uh, the universe, the existence of this universe, depends on this interaction taking place, this measurement, this perception. Uh, and there, if there are other universes, there may be other universes which exist only as ideas but never become uh, real. So, um, an easy way of putting it is, uh, you know, we think about evolution, and we think mind evolved from matter, but you investigate quantum physics and you realize the implication is that matter evolves from mind. But how
0: could there have been matter then before there were humans?
1: This is the great puzzle, and this puzzle is an extraordinary one. And um, there's a very interesting recent biography of Einstein, which eventually comes to this point, and it says, well, how do we answer this question? Other than God, of course, it says dismissively, because, of course, scientists aren't allowed to to believe in God. But in fact, when we go back again to the Quantum Fathers, um, uh, Max Planck, who uh, who came up with the word quantum, um, he said that if he'd learned anything through his whole life as one of the world's top scientists, it is that there is a matrix mind behind reality. There has to be one. Um, I think it's very ironic that the person who drove the whole process uh, was a man called Niels Bohr, who was brought up in a Christian family, but then abandoned it and became uh, an atheist. And uh, fate, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, uh, put, uh, gave him the job of really masterminding the these string of discoveries about the, uh, um, the nature of reality being made out of, out of nothing, out of ideas, out of maybe laters,
0: does entanglement come into this quark story?
1: Uh, yes. So entanglement is a, is a wonderful concept. The word came from Schrodinger. Uh, because what entanglement does is it proves that this reality is not the only reality. It proves that there is a second reality. Uh, um, the, the simple entanglement experiment is that you take a subatomic particle, split it into two, and then you put them at other ends of the room, the city, the country, you put them on other planets if you like, and then you affect one and the other one is affected instantly, um, as if they're joined, as if they're together in another dimension. Now, the uh, basic uh, underlying law of this reality is, is a number it's the number the speed limit of reality which is one hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second so that's the speed limit of this reality nothing can go faster than that but um, if you play games with subatomic particles uh, they do go faster than that you can spin half of a pair of particles uh, at one end of the universe and the other half at the other end of the universe will uh, be affected at the same time so it's as if a signal has gone between the two faster than the speed of light, which is impossible. It's impossible in this reality. So how do we explain that? Um, in fact, subatomic particles belong to a different reality. Um, it's as if the whole universe is projected from, from a room. So in this book, A New Map of Time, um, I, I, uh, uh, basically try and work out what that room could look like and, Obviously, we don't know what that room looks like, so I've just imagined it as a coffee shop. Why not? It could be anything a coffee shop uh, would do as, as well as anything. Um, I rather like the idea, uh, maybe for, for book two or, or if someone else is, is uh, wanting to write about this, I rather like the idea of doing it as a garden. Because if you look at uh, ancient uh, uh, myths and legends about the nature of the universe, the creation of the universe, uh, gardens often come into it. So I chose a coffee shop, you could do it as a garden.
0: And what happens in this coffee shop?
1: So um, this, this coffee shop is actually the room from which reality is projected. And this is not a controversial idea if you read New Scientist or, or any of the science magazines, that they discuss this all the time. So this reality is uh, seems to be almost like a hologram projected from somewhere um, we know we've done so many experiments now that we know that there is another reality a deeper reality than the physical one that uh, that we live in. Um, we don't know where it's projected from or who's projecting it. Um, but in in my in my book, I, I envisage that space as uh, as a coffee shop.
0: But what's what's really your motive behind this book?
1: Right. The book is it does actually tell the story of building of universe, but it also shows during that process how unlikely it is, how fine-tuned the universe is and how, um, how mystical the universe is because at every stage the, uh, the steps to make the universe have to be extraordinarily well fine-tuned. Um, they couldn't be random. There are scientific ways of working out randomness in data and at each stage of these the the creation of the universe from the big bang to today somebody has fine-tuned it somebody has gone in there with a screwdriver click 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 and actually fine-tuned it who is it is it god i don't know is it aliens i don't know is it us going back in time i don't know it could be all or any of these things the alternative the loophole uh, was multiverse theory multiverse theory, says that, well, maybe the universe isn't fine-tuned, but there are a lot of universes, so this one seems fine-tuned. That theory was great in the 90s, it was okay in the early 2000s, but it's almost dead now. Why? Because people have realized just how many universes you would need for this one to be random, and you'd need more or less an infinite number of universes. So if you believe multiverse theory as an explanation of why this universe exists, um, then you have to also believe that um, I exist, you exist, this whole thing exists in multiple forms, uh, except um, we are swimming in blueberry yoghurt in one of the versions. We are floating on giant uh, ping-pong balls in another version. Basically, everything that could happen does happen somewhere. So multiverse theory is everyone's running away from multiverse theory at the moment, and that leaves us with uh, fine tuning simulation theory instead.
0: It doesn't sound like science though. It sounds more like science fiction.
1: It does sound like science fiction. Aha! But uh, I've made one of the characters into a, a physicist, uh, and one is a, a, a lecturer in culture, a lecturer in culture. But the physicist knows her stuff, and. So the book is filled with uh, real quotes from the quantum physics fathers, from, from Schrodinger, from Heisenberg, from Niels Bohr, from Einstein, uh, Max Planck. So it's all solid science. And I do teach science at university, so, so I know my stuff. So for example, um, if I said the universe is not, does not exist unless you're looking at it, you might think, okay, he's a bit flaky here, but that is a headline from New Scientist. The universe does not exist when we're not looking at it. Uh, so it's not, it's not flaky. Um, if I said, so is the moon there when we're not looking at the moon? You might think, okay, here's somebody who's a bit new age, but that's a quote from a conversation that Einstein had with Bohr. So we're not talking about flaky people here. We're talking about not just scientists, but the gods of science, the top people. And this is not a controversial idea. This is now mainstream physics. Um, but it's not something that gets discussed a lot. I think it's just too technical, and, and there's mathematics involved, so people run away from it. But uh, no, if, um, if somebody religious or, or, or new age, uh, says, well, actually this reality is based on uh, on heaven or, or some other reality. Uh, well, I would say, well, science agrees with you. This reality is a projection from a different reality. There was a man called uh, Joseph Campbell, famous mythologist. And I was reading one of his books and there's a line in it which says, um, the fundamental message of ancient religious writings is that this reality It's based on another reality on earth as it is in heaven. You know, heaven creates uh, this space. And it's interesting that exactly the same thought you can find in any quantum physics textbook, which basically quantum physics textbooks say that this reality is projection from uh, underlying uh, alternative reality.
0: Which isn't necessarily a spiritual or religious one.
1: It's not necessarily spiritual, but. The, But if quarks, if subatomic particles are made out of ideas, ideas need a consciousness, right? Quantum physics implies that matter emerges from mind. But wait a minute, we learned in school that mind evolved from matter. So suddenly everything is turned upside down. Um, mind evolving from matter is what the biologists will tell us the evolutionary biologists but matter uh, evolving from mind is what the physicists tell us and that is actually very close to what all ancient faiths say
0: thank you very much very good to talk to you thank you very much (laughs)